Hey guys, what's up? Episode 5, I Sell Podcast. My name is Zach Johnson, and we are coming to you with a really special guest today, Shay Degan. He is a founder of a uh, franchise business, uh, Signal 88, and now founding a soon-to-be billion-dollar business. He hopes Tactical 88 here out of Omaha, Nebraska. Big things happening. We're going to kind of ask him about his journey. So let's just dig right into Signal 88 and, and founding his first business. So... Nobody was franchising security at the time. <clears throat> and it was either, you know, it couldn't be done or um, somebody had tried to do it and it failed. So uh, I'm, I'm a pretty stubborn guy. And I thought, you know, uh, I never tried it. And if I tried it, it's going to be a different model. And I bet you I could, I could make it work. So I created, I brought in a guy who knew how to franchise. And we started franchising the business, Signal 88 Security. And when I sold the company, um, I think even today, I think there's over 360 franchises um, throughout the United States and three other countries, in, in, in total of four countries. And so you own none of that now, though you sold I sold, sold completely sold out, had an investment company come in and buy me out. But at the time, um, you know, always looking to improve upon the business. And if you're not, if you're not um, growing, you're dying. And yep. You know this being in sales, right? Mm -hmm. And you got to constantly be changing the game to stay relevant. And yep. that, that was one of the most important things that, you know, I was always pushing with, with my businesses is always do something that's innovative, always do something to keep ahead of your competition um, and, and, and always be first, right? Yeah, be, if you're not at the forefront, you're, no. you're losing. Yeah, you're always going to lose. So, um, and you have to be the first to market and you have to remain first to market. So... Um, 88 Tactical was really born within, and that's why I backed up so far. 88 Tactical was born from Signal 88 Security. So back in 2009, the state of Nebraska had passed the concealed carry law, allowing Nebraskans to carry concealed. What year, what year was that? 2009. Oh, it's that <clears throat> recent? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, 11 years ago. So we, uh, you know, being in law enforcement, I have a, a ton of contacts in, in law enforcement, of course, and I don't know Pat, right. you know, from, uh, from uh, state patrol for years. And, and um, so I had a, a close friend of mine, Trevor Thrasher's his name. Trevor and I have been buddies for years to move to Denver with him. And he was a cop out in Denver. I worked for Denver dispatch before I got into law enforcement. I've been testing and testing like crazy. So Trevor's just this brilliant, uh, uh, a training mindset and, and we call him kind of the, the, the tactical, you know, um, guru and that because he's got such a crazy, uh, level of experience and not only law enforcement, he was OPD and then he worked SWAT. Um, and he's very tactically driven. His mind works differently than, than most cops. Um, and then he's also green Bray, even a current green Bray special forces. So he has this wicked, background of these two things were experiencing SWAT and in experiencing violence in his laboratory, you know, as, as a law enforcement officer, and then as a Green Beret and being combat deployed three different times and working for Blackwater and all these contract companies. At the time, Trevor wrote the concealed carry program. Um, nobody was really, there were maybe two other companies or two other instructors that had put a program together. You would have to submit the state of Nebraska for authorization for approval to be able to right, teach right. it in the state. Um, now there's just a, you know, there's a plethora, litany, yeah. Yeah, there's a plethora of, of those guys that, that do this. So it was very, very cutting edge. And the emphasis was on really having a, f a very comprehensive program. It wasn't, hey, let's see how, pe how many people we can run through this in a short amount of time and we're going to make bank. It was more about quality for us than it was quantity. And at the time, 
uh, because it was within Signal 88 security, that overhead was being taken care of. Right. Right. So I didn't have a bunch of bills that had to be, the bills were being paid under the umbrella of Signal 88 So security. you could focus on the brand and the quality without having to worry so much about how much, like you could be competitive on price exactly. still and then build a brand where people are like, you got to take this class. I mean, Precisely. it was, I learned so much about my, my firearm through mm-hmm. this class, like, as opposed to, hey, I mean, you get those people that just, I, I want to be able to carry concealed. Uh, it's my God-given right or my, 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 my right as an American, you know, Second Amendment rights. I should be able to carry a, a gun or carry it concealed. Um, we wanted to make certain that people were properly trained because we're putting our stamp of approval on those individuals. Now, at the time, it wasn't 88 Tactical. Still, it was under Signal 88 Security. Right, right. Um, so people, people were wanting to race through it. Well, our course at the time was 10 hours. It would be 10 hours. And we packed so much information. And Trevor- In two days or-, or It was day, in one, one day. day. Okay, you, yeah. You so just overload. Yeah, overload him. And then Trevor, we had to pair it back. He 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 would he would teach for 16, 18 hours if he could. Right. And we're like, this isn't conducive. This isn't going to work. You know, we, we have to try and make a little bit of money off of it. And plus, you don't want people getting burned out. They're not going to want to take the class. Right. But everybody who came into that class was-, was um, very, I mean, ridiculously satisfied because of the content, because of the way that it was instructed. And at the time we were using um, a farmer's hunk of land and we would pay per person and then I would additionally insure them, right? Right. So the atmosphere was in there. We didn't have the, the, the environment. We had incredible instruction, we had incredible curriculum, but then that atmosphere was, eh, was okay. So that's when the light bulb clicked. And I thought we might be onto something because a lot of those people that were going through that class got so much out of it and they really enjoyed it so much. They were like, what else do you have? You know, do you have, do you have a, what's the next level? What would you recommend I get into next? And what about carbine? How about combatives? And what about precision rifle? And you start, and I'm the kind of guy that when I hear these different, when I hear that people, and it doesn't even matter the number of individuals. So I hear a few people saying, oh, you know, be cool if you did. Then I'm like, yeah, we need to do that. And it will make it a success right? We'll, we'll create the program and then we'll go out and we'll find the people that want to take that class. Yep. And then sell it. And then sell it. Yep. So we started creating additional classes and it starts the ball really rolling to the point where I'm like, you know, we need to, we need to shore up the side of, um, of that environment. So, so let me go back. So Trevor, that was he with you with signal like from no. like day one? No, I'd known him. We were good friends. Uh, he had been an Omaha cop, but Signal 88 Security was just my wife and me. Okay, so yeah, so when did he come in and start training? I mean, like, I mean, when did he come into that business and start training? So he would. Um, so started in 2003, uh, and then in, uh, started Signal 88 Franchise Group with another guy in 2008. Um, so we had some pretty nice offices and really had the the ability to kind of incorporate some other things within that office space and started teaching in 09 when the state of Nebraska was so right really kind had, of the impetus okay. of. And that's yeah. when he kind of came on and started doing these courses. And that's when he came in. So he wasn't part of Signal ED. He was kind of as an instructor. Right. And then we kind of partnered up. And Trevor had always done a lot of instruction for other guys, friends of ours that kind of had the little pseudo trading companies. And he, you know, kind of jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when uh, when we started getting all of these students asking for these additional class, I thought, you know, it, it's probably time to get a place, find some land uh, so that we're not, uh, we're not beholden to this farmer. Right. And it, and it was working out great, but we needed to really, I needed to have kind of a pimped out place in yeah. thinking this is kind of a potential offshoot or continue 
uh, with it as a business, kind of a, a training division within Signal 88 Security, just before I even thought about selling the business at this time, right? right? So, but just another thing to be in the forefront. Yeah, Again, yeah. it's like, oh, this is the newest thing. We got to yeah. get on this. And yeah, it's, it's, it's another tentacle, right? You, yes. you continue adding those tentacles and it makes it that much more difficult for any competitor to come close to offering what it is that you offer. And, and it keeps you passionate about your business. Mm -hmm. I, that's what I, that's what I noticed like around here is like, if I, if I get a little stagnant, it's like, I got to take it to the next level and go find something else that's going to get me really excited to be here completely every single day. <laughs> because if you don't have that, it just kind of starts to kind of taper off. You yep. know, you, you'll have that week where you're like, man, this is, this is a lot. You have for, for me, um, I'm not, a, I don't consider myself a, to be a sales guy. I don't like sales. I don't, I think the most difficult for me is the close. I just don't like putting pressure on people, but what has always worked for me, because you know this, you, you when you start up a business, you wear every single hat um, that you have to, you don't have a choice. You've got to wear every single hat. If you want to make your business successful, you do what you have to do. Um, and for me, I never really felt like it was in a salesperson role going out and selling my business. I was just um, talking about, I was so passionate about what it was that I was doing yep. that that became so contagious. Just was selling itself. It was selling itself and people would get wrapped up in it and get hyped up and they're like, what is it that you're doing? And, I and they'd start selling it for you. That's like, when you know yep. you've got it because your fans start selling the program starts for to, you. It starts to yep. snowball and yep. people start talking about it. And that word of mouth is such a key thing in, in the success of any business. Um, so, so I ended up finding this hunk of land, 160 acres up in Tecama. So is that where you started <clears throat> was in Tecama? So it was basically, I mean, you started the signal 88 offices in Omaha and then at that farm. And then that became kind of the, the training facility up there. And it really hadn't even at that point become 88 tactical, was still an extension of signal 88 security. Now, keeping in mind the Omaha location that my wife and I started was owned by us a hundred percent. And then I brought in a partner, um, on the franchise side who had a franchising background and he had the majority interest of the franchise group. And that's a whole nother story because my, I ended up sleeping on the couch for like three nights when I made the decision to give him 60% and we took 40. I was just, you know, was working 90 hours a week for four years straight, you know, sheriff's office, working on the business full time and then working part time and all the money that, you know, I was making, I wasn't taking a, a, a penny from the business because you can't, you just got to roll it right back into the business and yep. keep building the business. Reinvest, reinvest, yeah. reinvest. Yeah. And it was kicking the living crap out of me. And when I got the idea to do this franchise business, uh, you know, I sat down with this guy and he said, you're sitting on a gold mine. And I said, I know I am. And he's like, do you want to pay me as a consultant or do you want to offer me ownership? And I said, I'm broke. I'm broke and I'm, I'm burning the candle candle at both ends and it's kicking the crap out of me. I got two little kids. I never see my kids. I'm willing to give. And like I told my wife, I said, listen, would you write? And she was pissed off at me because he had said it's 60, 60%. It's non-negotiable. And I said, would you rather own a hundred percent of nothing or 40% of a two, $300 million business? Do the math. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I slept in the on the couch for three nights. <laughs> so, uh, we ended up doing the deal and there. There's, there's a whole different story to that and knocking heads, uh, with this guy. And it's, you know, like a lot of business, you know, partnerships you hear about, it's like a marriage. Right. Yep. And it was very rocky, but in my mind, I'm, I'm uh, the power of positive thinking is such an important thing for me. And that's really what has gotten me to where I am today. And I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And it is what it is. Right. And had I not gone down that path, it may not have pushed me down the path of 88 tactical to do something different. Right. Right. So, um, 
ended up selling out of that business. And when I sold out of Signal 88 Security, my franchise group, uh, who I was a part of, and we had two other equity partners that came into play, uh, they bought me out, my local business, because it had become such a large business that became the headquarters. That was kind of their, their, their diamond that when we had what we call exploratory days, these potential franchisees would fly in, they would see 10, 12 patrol vehicles all wrapped. Built out, beautiful. They're like, yeah. oh, I can get behind this. This is going to make money. This is me. This is what yep. I'm going to do in my local, in my marketplace. Um, so it's a great model. It's like your showroom here. Right. I mean, that when people walk in and they see the showroom and what you guys have to offer and your, your level, that attention to detail is key. It's key because it really sums up um, that business and, and, and whether that business is going to be successful. We had not to get sidetracked. We had um, Recoil Magazine. It's a big uh, industry magazine. We had some guys come up and they were doing a bunch of shooting, did an article on us uh, several years ago up in Tacoma. And the guy had never taken any classes of ours, but he did this beautiful ar article and they had these gorgeous, you know, uh, professional uh, uh, photographs of the place. And in the article, he wrote a, a bunch of stuff about, you know, their classes are incredible. The instruction is incredible. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, Brad, I said, you've never taken a class. You just... Is that just an assumption or how do you, how did you derive that? And he goes, the moment I drove onto your property in Tacoma through those gates and saw the level of detail, the attention to detail from the landscaping, just the, how the rocks were all groomed, you know, on the road coming in the, the buildings, the furniture and everything. He said, I knew that you guys had your crap together. Yep. He said, so it would carry through. And that's such an important thing. So important. And thus the reason why I wanted to build Takema. We had to have something that would knock people's socks off that would take us to the next level. So 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 selling out of that, that was probably not the funnest experience like ever with, with Signal eighty eight, because you're kind of talking about this head you know, kind of knocking back and forth and going I got through. To, it was a relief. It was a huge relief uh, because he he uh this guy was gunning for me um the whole time that I owned the business and uh when I was bought out, I was happy with the buyout. Mm -hmm. I was good with it. And it was just like, I want to close this chapter and move on to something else and not have to be constantly looking over my shoulder. So what the, what the turnaround time, like when you, did you take a nice deep breath and kind of like spend some time with family? Or are you, you like, Hey, I really nope. am ready to roll. <laughs> no, I don't, I've never done that. My wife kind of expected that. But I didn't. Um, I've got to be, I'm one of those guys, uh, a lot like you guys, got to constantly be doing something. You know, I don't know. I'm 51, I'll be 52 in July. I don't know if I'll ever slow down. If somebody came and offered me a ton of money for 88 Tactical, um, and let's say I took it, which I have no intention on taking it, I, I would probably start something different and my wife would leave me <laughs> because she's like, this is it. This is it. We got to be, you got to be finished. Right. Right. No more of this. And, and we could have retired off of Signal 88 security and been extremely happy. But it was like, it's, you know, for driven guys like us, it's like, it's not enough. It's, I the, it's the game. It's the like, process. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is. Yeah. You get put on this planet one time. Yep. And you weren't put here to be mediocre. You're, you're put here to be exceptional. And I want to, I want to leave my mark, you know. Absolutely. So it's interesting you're talking about detail, right? And like every single thing has to be its best. Like yeah. the, you're kind of talking about landscaping, rocks, how everything's groomed. It's it's so funny how you say you don't like sales, but really building that is building the sale, mm -hmm. you know? And I think so many people, they take that step beyond <clears throat> and go, well, you have to have salesmen to, to yeah. be in sales. I, I just really, 
I think I wish a lot of people would pivot from that that sales mindset of like, you know, oh, you need these hard push in card closing salespeople. I think if you build something that's beautiful and amazing and incredible, they're ready to sign. And literally, you just have to have people that can process yeah. it. You hit, you hit the nail on the head. So, I mean, I think what people, a lot of people who start up their businesses, they fail to recognize the branding and how important branding is. And branding is part of the sales. It's all, it's the personality. It tells the story from start to finish of a company with just one look, the logo, right? The, the letterhead, the vehicles driving around. And, and, uh, you know, I see Pat has done that with, with Moose, with your, your, your company. Yeah. The, re the rebranding was huge. It's, it's gigantic. It's such an important thing. And I remember getting so much crap for my wife at the time we had those FJ cruisers when they first came out, it was yep. an Arctic blue. Mm -hmm. And this was back in 2000, probably started buying those in 2005, maybe after this company started taking off and I wrapped them and really people weren't wrapping vehicles at the time. And I remember putting the numbers on the side of the vehicle and I only had two, but I put zero six and zero nine to give the impression of, Oh shit. They've got nine vehicles and the <laughs> competition is like, oh, they're kicking a crap, they're kicking the crap out of us. We right. need to step it up, right? But we um I would park those at client sites because I didn't have I was operating out of a Hearthstone home, a little, you know, twelve hundred square foot house uh, made of balsa wood. And uh, I had those things parked out at locations and people were like, dude, I see you guys all over the place. You're blowing up. And before I had just like a regular vehicle, it was like a Jeep Liberty and I had some striping on it with Signal 88 security. It didn't yep. capture it. And the car had been sitting there for two years and nobody said anything. Right. But the moment I put an FJ Cruiser there with a wrap, people were like, where'd you get that account? That branding is so imperative to- It's crucial. It's cr absolutely crucial. I think, people miss that all I the time. I think vehicle wraps are so under uh, so undervalued. Completely. We So <laughs> it was so funny. So I really like this year on, it was focused on, hey, where are our lead gen? Where's it coming from? We do a lot of like door-to-door -door sales. Mm -hmm. our, our company, we, we do a lot of door-to-door. -door. And um, that that was that's really a great way to, you know, go see the consumer front, answer any questions, get rolling. But- I was like, I'm really, really interested to see on phone calls coming in, where are these coming from? This year, to date, 85% of our leads generated are the trucks. Really? Is that not yeah. insane? Yeah, that's spot on. That makes It shows you the importance of it, and people miss that routine. My wife was like, what are we, why are we spending this kind of money? You're spending $1,200 in every single vehicle. And I remember our, even our CPA, uh, who's no longer a CPA, this is years ago, I sat down and he goes, Shay, you need to... There's no reason for this. That's not how it's done. You know how many people told me that's not how it's done? Oh, yeah. It reminds me of the, what's the funny, is it the Geico? with the I posted my pictures on the wall, and she goes, that's, that's not how it's done. That's not how <laughs> any of this is done. Whenever I hear people tell me that, I know I'm on the right track. Yep, go right down that path. I know I'm on the right track. I had a friend of mine who was in the security industry for years. He's like, bro, you can't do it that way. That's not industry standard. I go, F industry standard. Do you know what industry standard I'm is? I'm going to create the standard. The the standard is the norm, right? Yeah. So like, like it's whatever's normal and normal never produces no. extraordinary results. No. And yet somehow we think that if we fall into this normal category and, and do things that normal people would think are the right way to do yeah. it, you're, you're doing it dead wrong. Completely. Well, look, look at, look at moose roofing. How tired is the roofing industry? So tired. And how tired is the security industry and the stigma attached to all of those. So you really have to think outside of the box to make yourself stand out and to create just a completely different dimension so that people, I, I read an article maybe six months ago that said that we're, we are, um, 
inundated. Of course, we know we're inundated with ads on a day-to-day basis. We are desensitized to advertisements. We see over 20,000 different advertisements in a day. Yep. So think about it. when you're driving your vehicle, there's other vehicles with business names on, on the sides of, oh, the, of the vehicle, yeah. the billboards, the radio spots. You're just numb to it. Buildings. Yeah, you're completely numb to it. So in, in this day and age, it's so important that you, whatever you do stands out from the rest. So you've taken a tired industry and you've hit the refresh button and you made it, you kind of made it hip and cool because the logo is cool. You got these cool trucks are all uniform. That brand continuity is absolutely the most important thing you can do with any business. And I would say that that's where my expertise really lies. It's in the continuity. And I used to fight with my old partner when we were franchising because it was like, you get a franchise, you get a franchise, you get a franchise. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you, we have to vet these people. Yep. And yeah, because you don't want vehicles that are rolling out that don't match the, the well, brand yeah. story. Well, that's the problem. Is they're like, hey, you know, I can save some money instead of buying through you guys. I got my my neighbor's, you know, cousin who does shirts and embroidery. And next thing you know, it's like, you know, he's using yarn and uh, his his sewing a patch mother under is sewing a, yep. some cheesy patch. Yep. <laughs> You're like, no, it's got to be that brand standard has to be there. The continuity has to be there. So the, there was no compliance uh, division and a compliance that compliance division is key. That, that'd be really hard for me. Like, the, the, was <clears> that hard? Was it, was it, yeah, I was going to say, because the control is it starts to fleet yep. after, as, as you do that. And man, when the second like the, the brand would start to deteriorate, like if our brand started to deteriorate, I would I would lose my mind. Yeah, it's it's like um, the thing that absolutely drives me nuts is when people take a logo and they stretch it, right? And the logo stretched on a PowerPoint slide or whatever, it just drives me insane. Oh man, that makes my brand explode yeah. as well. <laughs> that is the worst thing you could do. And they that just is, put it on Facebook. Yeah, and that the worst thing that uh, that any sales rep can do that comes in with a pitch right with a deck and they've got it. And here's what I've laid out for you. It is usually the radio, you know, uh, the media companies Yep. and they have, and they drop in your logo and it's all stretched out and you can see the block around it because it's not a PNG. And it's like, bro, if seriously. you won't take the time to make this <laughs> right. look good, yeah. well, how are you going to sell me anything <laughs> right. on the back? No, right. I completely agree. Yeah, completely right. agree. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's branding is cool. Marketing is super, super important, but it's like, I think the, the whole thing is like talking about tired industries is like taking people who had know nothing about an industry and saying, do you know that this could change your life? Like that's how we're really building our business is like, we're taking in young guys who don't know a lot about the, con- the construction business at all. Mm-hmm. And we take them through and we train them and we vet them and we, and we just hire people yeah. that are amazing yep. and then teach them how that's to be key. great at what we do. Yeah. And I think so, so few businesses nowadays are doing that. We're looking for like these follower types and these millennials are not followers, right? They really want to find something that has a strong why behind it. And I think people building a business nowadays, I think they're missing that. They're saying, oh, they're lazy. No, they're like, they actually will work like, like all day long if they have a really strong why behind it. But the brand has to be sexy. The product has to be amazing. Like you have to be the best. Because or else they don't want to do that. Right. There is no. That's not a strong enough why for Again, them. Again, that's the that's the attention to detail, and that's just kind of the culture nowadays. Because these, the phones, have made us that way. Our kids have grown up on that. So the millennials, they're used to getting information immediately, right? So if it's Instagram or Twitter or you know TikTok, whatever their favorite thing is now, it, this is instant gratification. So, so, so are you constantly having to be? Are you on TikTok? No. It's like, <laughs> no, does, no. Does, like does that does that interest you at all? Like, uh, like, do you, do you like think about like, cause I just kind of got on it like two weeks ago. Cause I'm like, what is this all about? And it's mm-hmm. an incredibly 
well-designed algorithm, right? Like yeah. the app, I'm like, oh, wow, this is addictive. I mean, I've got a 19-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son, and she's always doing the cornball dances and trying to get right. me to do that. But I, I become my grandparents, where you try to explain to them what Battlestar Galactica is. Right. You know? Really so like, how, how, do you, how do you stay fresh in that market if, like, that's not the way you're going? Like, what is it? Like, what, what do you find is, like, your edge, like, right now? Like, because now you've established a really great brand locally. Mm -hmm. I think, like, anyone that would say technically, like, everyone knows the brand. Everyone knows the quality, Right, like you go in there, like even like the Founders Club, and go in. There, it's like wow, yeah. You're not. You're, every stone is being turned over perfectly. Yeah. Like how do you how do you stay like hip and fresh and like what is like because that's a challenge sometimes as you keep getting things better and better. The tweaks are so much smaller. So you can make your you know you could you, you, we we could add some really kind of cool classes, but that isn't enough to get people really hyped up and continue. So what we've done right now we're at twenty seven thousand square feet. We've taken our room that's called the simulation room. I don't know if you've been out of the yep. place and seen yep. the simulation room was a room where we had a bunch of walls that were set up and we taught a lot of SWAT, uh, CQB, close quarter battle training. So OPD would come in and uh, Douglas County and other agencies and we'd be utilize that. And then we teach our high threat CQB course. We'd have guys coming in from all over the place from different agencies. And then we also used it for uh, civilians, for home defense courses, these walls and doors and all that. Well, we tore all of that out because it's just, I mean, we're making money off of it. But it isn't enough to sustain that space. For that it square make, footage, yeah, right, it's a, yeah. It's a waste of money. So we thought, what kind of value, what could we put in there that's going to bring additional value to our members? And we have a ton of members now. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting, we've gotten to capacity and we're expanding. We're doubling the size of the, of the building. Right. Um, but in the interim, before we do that, we have to add something to keep that retention, so you got to keep people happy. You got to keep, hey, look over here. You know, keeping it's it's. Uh, I don't want to say it's a sleight of hand. We're not tricking anybody, but it's it's okay if you're if you're used to coming up. Excuse me. You can do you know a shooting. You can take a class, and then you go into the bar and eat some food and have a couple of drinks and meet with some friends. Okay, now what else? What yep. else do you have? So now it's hey, here's a gym, twenty four seven access, and there's no additional fee. This is all part of your membership. And then we added our cost plus and cost plus is basically the top membership. You can buy any gun, you can buy ammo. If you can get a hold of ammo, uh, you can buy any of the merchandise and apparel down on the floor uh, at our cost, literally at our cost. There's zero margin attached to it. I mean, what place can you go to and buy a gun at cost? And then upstairs in a restaurant rolled it out two months later that when you come in, now you get food at 50, 60% off. It's a cost on food and then also alcohol, even top shelf alcohol. So you continue so where did that? Where did value. that come from? Was that you? I mean, like really like saying, hey, I want to just be different. And like, because the model I think is brilliant. Like I like we were just talking about today because we, we just got, we're getting the membership started up again here. And awesome. And it was just interesting. I was like looking at the models, like, man, this is well thought out. Like, I like it. It's, it's, it's building some RMR into, the, in, into a business that typically doesn't have RMR. Right. right. And so, and to look at that and to say, wow, this, this actually could generate really good, consistent revenue. And right. we're in, a, in an industry where you don't really find that. Right. Yeah. No one's doing it. And I, I'll tell you what it takes. It takes getting kicked in the sack <laughs> several hard times and staring at potential failure, huge, huge failure. And, and you lie in bed every single night worried and everything from signal 88, I put on the line at 88 tactical and, and the then pressure doubles, and right? The pressure doubles. <laughs> and then, you know, I try to keep this for my wife. So she's not, you know, having heart issues and, uh, it's better for me because I can seek refuge when I come home. If I don't talk about it, she doesn't really know about it. 
then I have a safe space. Then I don't have to explain it to her in my off time, the time that I need to really come down before I have a massive coronary. Right. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the most important things for me is having the people there that are next to you. They're in that cockpit as this thing's headed toward the ground at Mach 3. And other people are pulling back on the joystick with you, saying, I'm with you. I got this with you. We're going we're gonna to turn this thing around. We'll have to figure it out, right? Yep. Uh, because when we first started, nobody was doing what we're doing. And I'm not talking about the cost plus. I'm talking about just like, you know, this. they call them gun tree clubs, you know. And um, and at the time, I, we, you know, our performer we put together, it looked like it was going to work. And it was, it was something that we were kind of exploring. And it wasn't working. It wasn't working. So then panic struck. And I had these A-teamers that were next to me, guys that I could count on that, that were busting their butts and they weren't willing to jump ship and leave me because they built these, it's all about relationships, right? right? And, um, and then we started, uh, one of the guys, our GM, Chris Brammer, is an absolute stud, former uh, combat sniper, uh, pro Muay Thai fighter, 29 and seven. The guy is just one of, the, one of the most incredible human beings that you could ever meet. Just the neatest guy and just full of integrity and, and just the guy that would be there for you uh, no matter what, and put his life on the line for you. So Chris, Chris came up with the idea, we should give a gun away. What if we gave a gun away? And of course, then you have the 2A, the anti-2A people, and I'm like, ooh, this might not be good. Then they're like, look, you're being irresponsible. You're giving guns away to people, and they don't understand that there are hoops that you have to jump through legally, right? Yeah. right? There are regulations. It isn't just you walk into the gun store and decide to buy or to at a, at like at a gun show. Right, right. You know, they just don't understand the process and the background and all that kind of crud. Well, I was like, okay, I like where this is going. And then we decided, God, if we can get an AR-15, because the media is talking about AR-15s and they're assault rifles and they're terrible. And we we're like, why don't we key in on that? And that'll really, again, we talk about- A lot of buzz. Right? People are desensitized to to advertisements now. Now, this is one of those things that's going to make people's ears perk up because it causes a little bit of controversy. Yep. So we're like, let's do it. You know, bad publicity is uh, publicity, mm -hmm. period. So yep. we were like, let's do it. So we did some billboards and we got some pushback from people. Nowhere near as bad as what we thought it would be. But we also integrated some things in it that would calm people down and say, hey, listen, here's a deal. Yeah, sure, you get a free AR-15, um, but we are mandating before you pick up your free AR-15 within 30 days that you take our free intro to carbine course. So that was our way to show that we are, because we are extremely responsible, firearm safety is absolutely a number one for us. Absolutely. And we push that and push that and push that. Um, and we were an educational facility. We were, we're a community resource. So that kind of helped us. And then we noticed that that wasn't enough. The problem and that, that was, was expensive too. It, it was really expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's very expensive. Like when you look at like lead acquisition costs, Absolutely. like super through the roof. Completely. So then you had to like, that was working. Yeah. But now I got to get some stuff that's going to get yeah. some real revenue. Yeah. There's a little bit of a delay, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what happened next? I love this. So that was working. The problem you're having is this big blocky building. When people drive by, um, they didn't know what, what it looked like on in the interior. And they just assume, well, this is going to be like any other gun range. And then when people walk into every, bar none, every single person that walks in our place, it's within the first six to eight feet, it's at landing zone that they stop. And you can tell everybody walks in for the first time. They stop and they look up and they look around. They're like, what in the hell? And it knocks their socks off. And then we give them the full tour and they see the restaurant and the bar upstairs. They're like, I've never seen anything like this. Then it's easy to sell them. Once they're in, we yep. got we got them, especially on yep. the pricing and all that stuff. And you get them in different levels. Right. But it's getting in the door. So we're trying to figure out how can we get people in the door. We're doing the free gun. And then I would lie in bed and I'm thinking, there has to be something better. There has to be something else that we can that we can in, involve in this. 
And I start putting myself, what has always helped me in my businesses is putting myself in the shoes of the consumer, of the consumer Yep. and thinking like a consumer. And, uh, and I can do that in different partnerships and different businesses where if both of my businesses are doing business together, but I've got different partners. I can take a hat off as my company, my software company, Lyconic. I can take that hat off and put on my Signal 88 hat at the time. And then say, well, this isn't fair to my other Lyconic partner. And then I can flip flop. That's always been easy for me to do. And I can yep. see both sides. So I start thinking as a consumer, I'm like, what would I, if I were a consumer, what would really trip my trigger? Sure, the gun is cool. You know, what if I already have guns and it's not a big deal and that, you know, and I'm a gun snob and that gun just isn't good enough for me. Yep. What else would really throw me for a loop that I, that you don't typically see? I was like, cost plus. I mean, the name didn't come to me. I remember lying in bed every single night and it was, and it all of a sudden hit me. And I was like, holy crap, I think this might be it. Came in, pitched it. And of course, like any good team, everybody else starts pitching and stuff. We're like, oh, we're onto something. We're throwing shit against the wall. Now it's starting to stick. And then it took off. It took off. And then we had to tweak things on how to, you know, a lot of grassroots. I've got another partner of mine, um, Danny White is his name, and Chris Erickson, who are two of the most brilliant business guys and both bring something completely different to the table. And Danny, Danny is just this absolute business whiz originally from New York and they own a company here in Omaha called city ventures and city ventures is they're doing the La Vista city center two $300 million project. They own all the rocket car washes. They do. He's got, they're involved in like 55, 60 different companies. They've got dealerships all over the country. Um, but literally these guys came in as partners of mine and things really went to the next super 10. strong business acumen. Oh. Guys yeah. that you could completely trust that are like, don't worry, we got your back. We, we are all in on this concept. It's an incredible, it's like running a relay race. You're not running a race by yourself. You got to, you know, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And I'm the first guy that when we start expanding throughout the United States and we have plans, we fly down to Dallas uh, tomorrow. Um, looking at land, we already bought land in Kansas City. These facilities are going to be 100,000 square foot facilities. They're, they're going to, they're going to blow your socks off. And, um, that's I'm, exciting. Yeah. And I'm going to get to the point where I'm like, I'm not the guy, I'm not the CEO. I can't, I can't do this. We need to bring in somebody else. And I, I'm happy with taking a back seat and bringing in somebody that's going to bring us to the next level and become a, a billion dollar company. We, we will become a billion dollar company. I guarantee it. I love um, that. But I, I know where, I know where my strengths lie. And when those guys came in, it just was like, and what a perfect relationship. And then they brought in a guy who's one of the, one of the sharpest young minds, 27 year old. And this guy, Kirk Thompson, he's my right hand man. I and mean, these are guys that I trust and I go to battle with. And I know they always have my back and I'll die for these guys. And they would the same for me. I mean, we're in this to the end. Mm -hmm. Wonderful dudes. And Kirk is a former goalie from UNO uh, hockey. Um, he's I met with Vancouver. him. He's, a great, he's yeah. a great guy. He's a stud. He's yeah. an absolute stud. One of the neatest guys. And you talk about a brilliant young kid and driven. He's got his master's degree in criminal justice. Um, and he's on a work visa. He's from Canada. Right. So, and then he brought in some of these other hockey guys. These collegiate, collegiate athletes are just insane. It's like the best recruiting place ever. Completely, completely. They know they're how to compete. They're a different level. It's that competition it, and it makes it a blast. So think that dynamic really has changed. And we've just, we hit the, not to use this, the hockey stick, right? right? <laughs> they, they love that. Right. So, so, but that's kind of where the sales has come from then. These collegiate athletes, is that where they're handling a lot of these new accounts? It has, and just sitting sitting down with these guys and, um, you know, just throwing stuff against the wall and trying to figure it out. And it's really, I mean, our business, a lot of it is, the vast majority is word of mouth. People come through to classes. 
and they share things on social media or they tell their friends or they bring their family and friends in for dinner and then they experience it and it really starts that domino effect. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. I just, I, I like the, uh, I like, I like how the sales really comes from just a great product, a great system and a great service. Right. And then you just really just write it up. It's just like, Hey, this is what it looks like. And completely like when you came up with cost plus, right. That's a, that's a, a really amazing idea. Like how do you go about marketing it? Like when, when, when you're like, okay, this is it. How do you try to like, how did you try to get that out, the word out about that? Like, hey, you know, you can have this membership. It's just cheaper than a country club. And, you know, right. you can get these great benefits. Running commercials. You know, I mean, I think all too often people rely specifically on social media because it's the cheapest avenue. And it really depends on the number of people that, you, that you're that you able to get that info out to. And we've got a pretty good following on Facebook, 25,000 plus. And then Instagram, I think we're at 22, 23,000. Yep. It's a culminated effort. It's the social media, it's running radio spots, it's running television commercials on a routine basis. We have one of the most uh, amazing um, people running our marketing is Haley Jacobson, who has been our marketing coordinator, marketing manager now uh, for the last four years. I mean, er, uh, nearly since we opened the place. And this this gal just is, I mean, the, that passion, that it's so contagious, this place that uh, she just, she works nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And it's all about 88 tactical and just bust her butt. And it's been a learning experience for all of us. And she just does an amazing job with getting the word out. And she is a young mind. So very, very innovative. And that's key. That's key to really kind of think outside of the box and not, and do things kind of in an unorthodox fashion to really kind of get the word out. So I love that. And it seems like you really are about the creativity in your business. Like you want people to like really have the opportunity to have an open space and an open forum. And like, let's hear the ideas. Let's get them rolling in here. Right. And I noticed like here, like that's what we try to do is like, let people really build it with you. Mm -hmm. That's like so many people come to me. Like, I'm just, I'm like, why, why are you excited to be here? Like, what is it? You seem Jack. Like, what, can you just explain it to me? They're like, I yeah. just had never got to build something before. Yeah. Like, I just want to help build this. This you, is amazing. You have to have, you have to create that coach, that culture. It's all about the culture. But you have to have it at the point where people feel comfortable enough and being able to speak up in a staff meeting. So when you sit there, everybody throws different I, uh, ideas out, and they don't feel inhibited. They don't feel like, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I've only been here for six months, or I've only been here for a year. I love when people throw out their ideas. It, this is a, it's a group thing, right? And we're all, we're all in this in the same vehicle, trying to make this as successful as we possibly can. So I'm always going to listen to what people have to say. Um, we just, you know, you talk about how we, how we stay relevant and how we continue going forward and keeping it fresh. We just announced last night, a new business, a sister company of 88 tactical called 88 med just rolled it out last night. And 88 med is a testosterone or hor hormone replacement therapy. We've got a full-time physician on staff. We already have a location off 176th and center. It's a great pivot. Um, so like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's the most it's, target rich environment exactly, ever. Completely. And it's just like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I pivot right here? I Absolutely. already know the quality is incredible. Mm -hmm. I need this. Doing aesthetics. So cool sculpting, Botox, doing all that stuff. It's a med spa basically. And then downstairs, the cafe will turn into a clinic, an additional clinic. So now when you come in, you want to work out, we'll have supplements and protein drinks. It's all part of your membership. Both of those memberships work for one another. If you're a select membership, which you get the cost plus, you get cost plus on um, peptides. 
on HGH human growth hormone uh, peptides. Yep. Um, you get discounts, 50% off on the monthly membership for testosterone, for HCG, for, you know, an osterzole, all these things. And whether you have insurance or you don't have insurance, we've got different plans. So we just rolled that out last night. But that's kind of this network of companies that we're putting together. So in every single 88 tactical facility moving forward will have an 88 med built within. That's incredible. And then there's talks of adding all kinds of really cool stuff on top of that. So it's basically, it's a, it's a one-stop shop. It's, it's, it's really fun when you start to build out, you know, a really successful business that's working on its own. And then that, like we were talking earlier about this overhead that can kind of cover some of this experimental stuff. But when you know the idea is good, yeah. it, you can have that loss leader for a little yeah. bit and it just starts to crank yeah. then. And right. just like, and you, you bring in a lot of like really nice, good margin stuff for people to, you know, you can make really good revenue here, but they're already there. Yeah. So like your, your, your acquisition is none. So that's very cool. Yeah. We've got the people, we've got uh, over 35,000 students have gone through our classes over 30, 35,000. I bet even that was probably four or five months ago. Are you seeing more civilians coming? Like, I'm sure in the beginning that you you were building it based off a lot of like law enforcement and people who are in the space, right? Are you seeing a lot more like new gun ownership and people coming in that it's, are? It's been pretty consistent, you know. I mean, there's the high speed stuff, which you know a lot of the instructors love. The the, the law enforcement guys they want to teach that stuff. Right. The problem is, is that's probably five percent maybe tops eight, 10% of our business uh, mm -hmm. revenue driven from the training division. We have what's called uh, the mobile training team an MTT. It's run out of, uh, uh, we've got a manager, MTT manager. It's based out of Minnesota. He's just, he's a SWAT guy up there and he manages that group and it's comprised of about 10 or 12 guys that travel throughout the United States and even outside of the US to train up other military teams, uh, military groups or law enforcement groups. We'll fly out to NYPD contracts us out. We'll do training for them. Uh, we train. US and that keeps your trainers and, fresh too yeah, though. Yeah. But yeah. you're seeing like 90% is, is it the, this? 90% is a civilian. So we, we, you know, we offer the concealed carry class for $88, which is unheard of. Yeah. Um, and the quality of the class is second to none and the instruction. Uh, so the curriculum, the instruction, and, and there's a lot of mindset that we, that we teach in there, things that people can expect because we have individuals that are teaching the class with real world experience. They're police officers, they're tier one assets. And we've got a total of 55 plus instructors in our network throughout the United States that come from special forces, SEALs, uh, Delta Force, all these different communities, a hostage rescue team, FBI. So these are individuals that are teaching these classes. So when civilians are able to jump into a firearms course, a handgun or a carbine, and be able to say, hey, I had a Green Beret teaching me a basic you know, carbine course. I mean, that's something to talk about. That's a, that's a water cooler, you know, conversation. Right. Absolutely. So, so going signal 88 and franchising, and now it seems like tactical 88, you're going to do this. You got you and, the, and an investment group are going to. So we originally, I'd started uh, a franchise group for 88 tactical. So there's 88 tactical of Omaha. And then I started a franchise company, but we, we did away with the franchise group because it doesn't make sense. I've got some heavy hitter partners, City Ventures, um, which is listed uh, Inc. 500 as the 207th, this is last year, fastest growing company in the country. Wow. They're number one in, in Nebraska. I mean, these guys are amazing. So we have the strength to put up our own buildings and have them all be corporate owned. And it makes more sense to have them as, as That's gonna be corporate exciting. owned business yeah, buildings.
You have a lot more control. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. like you really get the right. opportunity to go. So, so from from Signal eighty eight to tacti- eighty eight tactical, what what would you say the biggest struggle is is has been through that process? And like, what is the what is the struggle now? My wife. No, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I, I would say going from Signal eighty eighty eight eighty eight tactical. I don't think there was like the, much. like like, like, like okay, the journey. I got it. Yeah, I would say. Um, I would say after after creating Signal 88 security and and the company was doing 100 200 million dollars annually uh, if not maybe even more um I you come out of something like that and I created that right I founded that business and it it blew my mind to see where it went and it wasn't I didn't doubt that it couldn't get there and when I started the business I knew that uh, you don't want to put a ceiling on anything and I wasn't going to be happy until I, my wife is from Germany, became a U.S. citizen quite a few years ago. But I was like, I want to be in Germany in an outdoor cafe and see a Signal 88 patrol vehicle drive by. I want to be satisfied until I see that, until we've gone outside of the United States. That happened. Not that we were in Germany, but it happened. And when you come out of that, I don't say I was cocky, but I had a lot of confidence that, you know, I had cut my teeth in, in business um, you know, I went to college studying criminal justice, went to UNO, never finished. I don't have, I don't have my degree. And I'm literally like 14 credit hours away from a bachelor's degree. So I've never studied business. It's just like jumped into it. I'm like, I can figure this out. And I've always been that guy. Anytime, you know, I get a model airplane or a model car as a kid, I never read the instructions. I tear it open and it would look silly when yep. I was done with it. I didn't give a shit. You know, it was something I did. But when I sold Signal 88, I had a lot of confidence that it, now I'm starting another business. And, and it almost felt like, well, it's guaranteed it's going to be a success because my business background, it was a different, completely different beast. And, and you know, what I always say, and we went through absolute hell with this, with this business. And what I've always said is it's more, it's such a, be, it's such a, a cool story to tell when you hit those, you hit those pitfalls Instead of saying, "Yeah, I started this business and it took off and it, you know, turned into this this multi yeah, no one likes no, no, no one likes those stories. They're like, oh, "Yeah, great story." <laughs> but if you can tell all the crazy crap that you went through, you know, I went through that with Signal eighty eight security. Nowhere near as bad as what I did with eighty eight Tactical. But it was a learning experience. And when Danny and Chris came in with City Ventures, I was like, "Okay, all right, these guys are going to come in, and now I've got even more money back in us, and and they're just going to throw cash in it. We'll be good." No, it was a you guys, here's a little bit of money. You guys need to get in that room and start figuring it out. We need to figure this out as a team and it's grassroots. I'm out walking neighborhoods with two or three of the guys with Kirk and with this Grant Gallo who's an absolute studies. He's now our GM. Um, and Brammer has moved to our corporate headquarters as our director of operations. I'm out, I'm out in neighborhoods. We're hanging packages, you know, marketing stuff on doors. On doors, which was, you know, I look back and I'm like, you know what? That was one of the most important lessons I could ever learn. That it doesn't matter where you come from. You still, I'm, I'm willing and able to jump into trenches along with anybody. You just, you do what you have to do to survive yep. and to make it a success. So it was, it was a huge learning experience. And that was one of the most difficult things. It was like, I got this. I, you know, I, I built Signal 88 security. I know how to do this. And then, whoa. whoa. But also like the best growth too. So like the biggest oh, struggle, but I mean, wow, coming out the other side of that, like you've just got to feel just like completely. so much more full. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was a, it was a close call, dude. So so you, you you've mentioned your wife a couple times, and I think it's I think it's really 
it's interesting because the th- the thing I'm realizing more and more and more because I same same story with me dropped out of college, no business acumen whatsoever. We've been just blowing this thing up, and it's very similar to the story of an an outdated industry and then making it fresh yeah. and fun. And but I'm noticing as I meet more and more people and talk to really high level performers that relationships is like I think it's the one thing that if instead of college. Right. Instead of all the stuff, if you could, if you were, if men were trained on how to actually operate their relationships in business, I think that's the piece that's missing. Yep. You, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and I've explained this multiple times. You know, I, I, I went to prep, great and prep and, and I didn't do well in school as a matter of fact, and I've told the story a, a trillion times, but it really kind of speaks um, volumes and it it speaks to to the experience and where I am now. I I grew up in Millard and uh, in this area is as a matter of fact down the street and I would have gone to Millard South and my parents were like no no we're going to send you to prep and I had an older brother that they tried to get to go to go to prep uh, who's two years older than me and he was like I'm not going to that school look at it they're all weird looking and it was a picture on the letter on the word prep on the stationery it was you know back then it was like late 70s and these guys all have bell bottoms and long hair and he's making fun look at them they're all you know it's an all guy school right too. right so you can imagine the crap he was saying and I was like <laughs> yeah yeah so then when it became when it came my turn my parents were like we're gonna send anyone to Miller Central Junior High 7th and 8th grade and they said we're gonna send you off to prep to take the entrance exam uh, next Saturday. I go, I'm not going to get braces. I'm not going there. And I repeat what my brother said. They're all a bunch, you know, like a, like a doofus. And they're like, well, you don't have a choice. You're going to go take the test. So I'm pissed off. And I end up seeing some other kids that I went to, to grade school with, uh, Millard, and we go and take the test. And it was, I made it a game to see who could finish the test the fastest. So I'm, you know, A, B, C, 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 B, 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 and I get done. I'm like, I'm the winner. And I take it up there and drop it off. And I'm laughing, thinking, okay, well, that was easy. I'm going to stay at Millard. And a couple of weeks later, a week later, <laughs> get the test results. And we're like, hey, we got the test results from prep. And I'm going, oh, yeah, well, I hope I passed. And they're like, well, you failed. You got a 26%. And I go, oh, this is terrible. And they go, it is because you start summer school next week to bypass the entrance exam. <laughs> Swear to God, they had me go down. There was a good rich over here where that uh, grocery store is on Millard Avenue. I had to walk from my neighborhood down to to the good rich where there was a mat bus stop. Get on the mat bus, go to Westroads, transfer from Westroads to Crossroads at 13, 14 years of age. Imagine that nowadays. And then walk from Crossroads to prep and then come home the same way for like a month and a half to two months. Just destroy, and they laugh their asses. Of course, they tell me this now. My mom and dad are just like, you thought you had us. Totally taught me a lesson. So then I, after high school, and I'd always done, you know, I get 82, 83 average, percent average. Well, my mom worked at, uh, uh, she's been a nurse for years, wonderful lady, worked through Creighton Pediatrics. So we had free tuition at Creighton University. So my older brother, brilliant guy, he goes to Creighton graduates top honors and then it's me and then I have a younger sister two years younger than me so they they submit my transcripts to Creighton to go to Creighton and Creighton was like ah, I think we'll pass <laughs> slide it across I couldn't get into Creighton and, I, and my mom's like oh this is so sad so I ended up going to UNO and my parents like listen we'll pay for the first four years of college for you because they weren't having to pay for college for my brother or my right, sister right. who's yep. brilliant too so I go first semester and I don't even show up for my, my midterms and finals. And so I'm F's. So they put me on probation 
And then a second semester, I would show up like an idiot. I hated school. I hated, hated it. I ended up getting suspended for a full year. So I'm like, oh my God. So my grades come and it was, you know, the tear off tab and you peel it back and it's the carbon paper. Well, I had a typewriter at the time, totally dating myself. And I, I realized that an eraser could erase those grades and then I put the carbon back on top, put it in the typewriter and cha And I'm not going to put A's because they'd be on to me. They'd be right. like, oh, nice try. This is falsified. So I put in <laughs> C's and some D's and I showed that to my mom and she's like, I'm so proud of you. Look at how well you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm thinking I'd like to go into the military, you know, for a little bit, just a reserve. She said, why are you doing so well? <laughs> little did she know I had been suspended for a full year and couldn't go to college. So I joined, I joined the, I get made fun of it for this all the time. I joined the Coast Guard uh, Reserves and went off uh, basic and I went through class A school. And that's what bit me. I went through a law enforcement academy and that's what bit me in law enforcement. I was like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And, uh, and then when I came back, I was more disciplined. I went to college. I ended up getting on the Dean's list. I mean, it wasn't from classes like basket weaving and gymnastics. I literally had a lot of fairly difficult <laughs> classes and realized I wanted to study criminal justice. And then I just got to the point where I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And then dropped out. I proved to myself that I can get on the Dean's list with a 4.0. And then I was like, because my entire life I'd always been taught and always felt like school is everything, you know, and if you don't have, um, good grades or great grades and you don't have a, a bachelor's degree, you're not going to amount to squat. You know what I mean? And I, and I've always in my mind kept myself from really achieving because achieving of that, yeah. because of that, because it was always hampered me. It was always felt like it was a handicap and it's terrible. And I tell my kids now, I have a 19 year old daughter, she's exact who's cut from the same cloth. And she's like, and she actually didn't, didn't get suspended from UNO in her first year. I was like, I'm proud of you. No. And I told her the story and she was what you lied to me. You said you did really well. I go, well, I had to, to get you to, you know, <laughs> right. And, uh, and she's going to take time off. And then that's, there's too much emphasis on that. Yeah. I think, I think we spend so much time nowadays focusing on like this time frame and this mm -hmm. perfect thing is like, we're so early. Everyone's yeah. so early. Like you're still so early. You have you have another another whole life left yeah. to live. You know, yeah. and it's just like it blows my mind how quickly we are. Like, oh man, I'm gonna be 30 this year. Oh, I haven't done what I thought I was gonna. Right. No, just get yeah. let go of all of that. <laughs> like, just keep grinding. It's you know? all it's all hard work. That's what it boils down. I tell my kids all the time. All you have to do, especially nowadays, just show nowadays, up. Yes. Show up. I mean, how many people you have 10 interviews and three will show up and out of the three, let's say you hire all three, one will show up for their first shift and hopefully they stay longer than a month. You're like, this is ridiculous. So I tell my kids, I go, now you guys really have it made. All you have to do is, is work harder, outwork the person in front of you, behind you, to your left and to your right. If you outwork those people, you will freaking write your own ticket. Skyrocket. Completely. And it's, it's incredible. It's like, just don't quit too. That's Completely. like, that's what I've realized. It's like, just show up. Some weeks are going to be terrible. Yeah. Some months are going to be terrible, Completely. but just do not quit. Never, ever quit. And my kids, you know, I try to set that example. I'm not the kind of dad that, you know, s s um, sits down and has these chats with them. And it's just not me. Um, I lead by example and they see how hard I work at work. Cause they both work at 88 tactical now. And that was the big thing. I'd said, if you're going to work on my daughter's a server up there and my son's a bus boy. And I'm like, listen, you're going to have to work twice as hard up here to prove to people that you're not in here just because of me and your mother, you're going to have to bust your asses. And I'd said, and don't think that I won't fire you if you're not performing uh, of, above what I expect. 
And both the kids have gone in over the course of the past four or five months and have proven themselves. And everyone's like, your kids are the hardest working kids. And they tell me all the time, it's because we watched you and mom, whether it's at home landscaping and I'm out in hundred plus degree weather and not quitting, not giving up. My son is checking out at 16 going, I don't know how you continue doing this. I said, because you got one chance at this. You do what it, you do, whatever it takes. That's what, that, that's what makes you the cream of the crop. Yep. That's and when your key. pillow hits the head, of the, yeah. you don't have anything to think about. It makes you feel like a better person. And, and if you have to bring yourself down to where somebody above average is, it's a breeze. It's like a vacation. You're like, huh? That's great. And then and I think like with, with anxiety and, and, and all of this stuff, I think it's bred out of not like completely just, just not doing completely. It's like we're all, we're, uh, there, there's this fear of missing out with a lot of people nowadays. And then at the same time, they don't actually want to do anything right. because they're worried that they might make a mistake. And I just like, go, 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 yeah. go, go. Yep. Just don't quit. And like, you make make a mistake 10 times over, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? Because you learn from every one right. of them. So so with that all being said, and, and, and on the relationship piece, so with the kids, like kind of like taking them through your process, making sure they're working for the business that you're running, that, that you're doing this, showing them that. And then, and then with the, with the wife thing, like, what do you think like you've learned like throughout this process to be like, okay, I'm now a better husband because of like a lot of this process. Like what have you learned, you know, through marriage, through building business? Cause it's the hardest thing. Cause if they don't do that, right. If they have not built like a, well, and, and she has in this case, but I'm saying, but if they're not like in there day in, day out, they don't understand like the stress and you want to like shelter, shelter them from that a lot. How do you, like, what have you learned, you know, now kind of going through that? I, it's funny that you, you asked this question because I was thinking about this, um, not too long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, it, all of those things, the business, uh, your health, what you're doing physically, if you're lifting weights or if you're doing it, it, some type of exercise, working out, which is such an important thing. And your relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your kids, um, the relationship with your family outside of all those things going on have such an impact on one or the other, right? So if, if your relationship with your spouse is not going well, it's going to affect the business. It's, you know, it's funny you hear people say, hey, when you come to work, put all the personal stuff aside and shut it off. And you're not supposed to, that's bullshit. Because it doesn't work that way. No, I, I, if you're if you're truly you're not a sociopath. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know what I mean. You you're, you're going to have a, a ch that's going to be a challenge. Right. So it's difficult to separate. <laughs> Sociopaths can do this. <laughs> um, of course, it's easy for me. Oh shit. <laughs> so so that's been that's been one thing that I've learned that when I get all those things in, aligning with the moon and stars, I see this start to rise. I see this start to rise. And when one starts kind of limping along, it really affects the rest. And it's a juggling, it's a juggling act, you know? I mean, it's I mean, for anybody, even if somebody doesn't own their own business and they have a wife and they have kids, that in and of itself is such a challenge. That's such a challenge to, 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 to maintain success in that family. And then to have a, 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 a you know, employer that you're working for and you're trying to be successful there, it really, it takes a lot of juggling. It's, it's a difficult, you're act. spinning plates. Yeah. You're spinning plates completely. Great analogy. And then when you have your own business, you've got partners, the partners are like the relationship. So when we went down the path of me going way back and off on a tangent, a tangent about prep, I wanted to cover, you talk about relationships and networking. 
And I remember at the time, all my teachers were like, you're a class clown. And I know that you were a class clown. Oh yeah. I won, I won, the, I won the award. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you did. <laughs> Constantly trying to be the funny one in the class and be silly and do things different because I just wasn't having fun. I had to have fun. I mean, I literally have to have a clown on a unicycle juggling flaming bowling pins, telling filthy jokes to, to keep my attention. Right, right. Otherwise I'm off thinking something else. I, yeah. I just, that's not the environment where I learn. More important for me, and I always said this, to, to make friends, which is networking. Yep. And you see that because this guy, anyone I run into and his name comes up, everybody knows him. Right. You know, and it's, it's, that's what it boils down to. And there's just not an emphasis on it. There's no emphasis. I mean, that should be, that should be um, a, a program, a degree program, for God's sakes. That in and of itself, because that is what has gotten me to where I am today. All the people that I've built these relationships with that have respect for me and I have respect for them, they'll bend over backwards and help you. They'll help lift you up and you need to lean on those individuals. And then you the rest- the, You have to check the ego down though to do it too. Well, completely. Right? Com completely. Yeah. 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 It's, it's imperative to stay humble. I don't give a crap where you're coming. I'm always going to wear a t-shirt and jeans. I don't care how much money I have. I'm always going to be the same person. I'm never going to change. I'm just saying when you build relationships with with people, right, and, and and you get to this point where you're like, I can I can bear the weight. That's the thing I've started to realize is like the more you can actually spread that weight out and say, hey, people are wanting to take that off your shoulders. Yeah, a lot right. of times, a lot of these relationships are like, how can I help? Yeah. Like, I can't wait to see what I can do to help you. It's amazing when you do network and build great like communities of people. Mm -hmm. They want to take the weight. Yeah, they want to help you build it and grow it and take those bricks and turn them into something amazing. And once you have those individuals, you know you're on to something big. Because they, they almost those bring more of them in, don't completely, they? Completely. And I feel like it's good to see, you know, like Kirk, who's become one of my closest buddies, such a great guy. I'd do anything for you. He's a 27 year old stud. <laughs> He's starting to forget things like meetings and people. We'll get somebody who walks in and he's like, who is that guy again? I go, oh, thank God. I feel so much better now because I thought maybe I had some early signs of Alzheimer's because I mean, but you have so many people that are coming in, you're contacting so many different individuals day in and day out that it's, it's difficult to stay on top of, but you have to try, you have to try and maintain those relationships. It's key. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you realize, and, and that's a big thing for me. I'll have really in-depth, great conversations with people and the, it'll, it'll be you know, out of my mind, yeah. like within the next month. And so it's important to know that even though you might not know them, as long as you're present in that moment, sometimes mm -hmm. you can, you know, impart something on them that, that really helps them remember you, mm -hmm. but it, you know, you don't have to like, it, really dri it drives me nuts. You know, if there were big gatherings, I get really stressed out because I want to be able to talk to everybody and give them. It's not that I'm like, well, I, I owe this guy time. He's going to want to talk to me. It's not that it's, I genuinely am interested in getting to know all those people. And it's like, I don't have enough time. I want to get to those people, those people. I think it's uh, you know, you're talking about IQ and then there's emotional IQ. And I think emotional IQ is more important, far At, more important. 100%. And so I can, I kind of have this feel like the room is not happy or, you know, there's a segment of individuals like doing stand up comedy. Oh yeah, absolutely. You just learn how to read everything. You like learn, everyone. And it, like and it I, destroys you when you can't, when you can't get a, a part of the audience to, to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just work on that. But yeah, you learn so much about reading a room. That book, emotional IQ helped me out so much too. I'm just kind of, it's really good, real short. You take a test and everything. I did that a few years ago. Oh, I want to do just, that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Helps that, you figure out where you are in business. 
business, like emotional intelligence is everything. Oh, completely is. That's that's really the only yeah. thing that you if yeah. once you nail that, yeah. the operations and everything kind of just will end up taking care of itself. I, I think I think there are three key things. You need to be able to, you need to be willing to bust your ass and do whatever it takes and never have that never quit attitude. I know it sounds cheesy to say that. The other is a power of positive thinking. All these are culminated. And then it's the emotional IQ and learning that. You can master those three. You got it. You got it freaking made. Seriously, you got it made. Especially in this country, in this climate yeah. right now, like you, you will yeah. just, it, you'll, it'll explode. Yeah. A lot of people are suffering from arrested development, you know, with, with their emotional, mm -hmm. you know, IQ ways, man. And way, I think way I, too much emphasis elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the, the thing too, though, is like this, this, um, I, I know when I was younger, always struggling with this, like immediate gratification. I think like you have to understand that every great journey starts with a, like a really strong struggle because without that, the story doesn't mean anything. Completely. Nobody wants to hear the story. No. And it's not even, it's not rewarding It's not either. enjoyable. And it's really not rewarding for that's, that's, individual that's either. That's so true. But I like reading biographies. And like years ago, I read, I picked up Billy Graham's. And I'm reading and I'm like, what is this guy, Jesus? I couldn't even read it. I'm like, there's no struggle. He never sinned. He never did anything. I'm like, I read like 30 pages and I'm like, I cannot relate to this man at all. He had to have cheated on his wife. Yeah. 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 Like picking up a Harlequin uh, romance novel and it says, Gary met Lisa. They went on a date, hit it yeah. off, had babies and lived happily ever. Yeah. Ever. It was just, it was like reading the Bible about a man. I'm like, what is this? That's awesome. I want the struggle. Where's the heroin addiction? <laughs> but that's what makes it real. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it real. And, it's and that's realistic. Well, it's realistic. Right? I don't know how many times I hear, you know, you hear from friends that'll go, man, did you hear about such and such and this guy and his partner, they came up with this idea for this business, became multi-billionaires overnight. No such thing. No such thing. Look at the bands. Look at the bands, the, the big bands that have made it. People don't see that they slept in a car outside of the gig that they played for years. They would do this cutting their teeth, doing whatever it took to become successful. They don't see the struggle. They want to just look at the end because people just don't want, they don't want to have to think that it takes a lot of hard work to get there. It's I want to cut. Yeah. It's easier just to get there. One just of the best be examples now. I heard of that was Huey Lewis in the news. You know, they had that massive album where like every song was a number one hit. Well, I heard him in an interview. He's like, no one knew, like realized that we played bars right. for like no one for 20 years. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Yeah. But that's typical. I mean, that's kind of, the, that's kind of the common story. I think, I think the big thing too is with, with struggle is it's the funnest part of the process. I mean, that seemed like it at the time. No, not at the time. You, but when but, you come out of it, you feel like a completely different. It's like working out. It's like doing one of the most grueling workouts. It sucks when you're going through it, but there's no better feeling than when you're done and that's at satisfaction of showering and sitting and having a beer and going, man, I, you know, freaking busted my ass. It's like going on a hunt, right? Like you go to a deer hunt and you go and you pull your truck up and you're like, oh, walk, boom, got the deer. You never tell that story. Right, right. But it's a story where <laughs> yeah, you're eight true. hours, yeah. you're in the tree stand, it's freezing cold. Shot your leg, yes. tied a tourniquet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crawled across Wounded the Wounded the deer, hunted it down, <laughs> fought a bear, <laughs> found the deer. Just to survive. Yeah, <laughs> slept in its, <laughs> in its belly. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a story. Yeah, I want to hear that one. <laughs>
But but you take that and you look at it and then you're like, oh my gosh, like in the moment that is so terrible. Yeah. But it's the best memories of your life, the Completely. ones that hurt like the most. And like that's what I keep telling myself every time I run into a struggle or a yeah. problem. I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, this is gonna yeah. be the greatest story. <laughs> my my wife and I got married down at a sandals resort in Jamaica in Montego Bay, and uh, it was just it was like a soap opera. Because we had family come down and some friends and just, it was a shit show. I mean, it was great. My wife and I were on the periphery of all this. And we're just watching all this stuff just going crazy. And we're shaking our heads going, can you believe this? But you know, that was the best story to tell from start to finish as opposed to people going, hey, how was the wedding? And we go, it was great. It was beautiful. Picture perfect. Yeah, you know? everything was Weather awesome. was great. The cake was great. We, you know, it was wonderful. Yeah, blue whale jumped up right yeah. as, we, as we kissed. Yeah. <laughs> Two dolphins mated right yeah. in front of us. Yeah, then we rode the dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing cool about that story, but the story that we tell about what really happened, people are like, holy crap, and they laugh their heads yeah. off, you know. <laughs> Super cool. I'm 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 excited that we had you on, man. I think uh, I appreciate it, man. This it, is it was, fun. It was really really cool. I think to see your story and 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 where it goes. And I think a lot of the points for people, the emotional intelligence, the struggle, the the fact that you do have to just don't quit and, and work through it. I think and and the details. Yeah, like I love that. Like tactical eighty eight is such a cool place, man. Like just going in and then when you go up to like the uh, members lounge and you take the elevator and just the food is incredible. I mean the whole thing. It's just such an awesome, awesome. Yeah, attention place. to detail for yeah. sure. Absolutely, it's about the experience. You know, you want you want people to to go away talking about it, bragging about it. You want it to be you know conversation at the dinner table, you know, or with friends when they're out. Absolutely, and that's really kind of the big push. Cool, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah.